We are live. Welcome everyone to Connected Learning TV. This is uh, actually the first webinar of an October 2015 series titled Doing Innovation, Empowering Young People for Tomorrow's World. Uh, if you're watching this, uh, please take a moment to share it with your networks um, via whatever platform you use. Uh, I'm Craig Watkins, uh, University of Texas professor uh, and just recently launched a new project called Doing Innovation and I'll be your host for each of the webinars uh, this month. So throughout this series on Connected Learning TV, um, we'll explore the landscape of the new economy, consider what kinds of skills and resources young people need as they seek to build more robust pathways to opportunity. Um, this webinar uh, series is really designed around sort of looking towards the future, which is really kind of now and happening today, and, and sort of thinking about the ways in which the world of work are changing, the, the technology landscape is changing, uh, and how young people are sort of navigating a, a world that is just sort of seemingly rapidly uh, in flux. Um, throughout this series, uh, you know, we'll continue to sort of um, sort of engage these questions uh, and bring in on different guests from different sectors, different communities that will give us greater insight uh, and knowledge about uh, the world that's happening uh, around us uh, today. So today we're really fortunate uh, to kick this webinar off with um, four young innovators who are doing some amazing things uh, and, uh, and really bringing, I think, uh, a new face uh, and a new kind of inspiration to how we might think about uh, innovation in the future. So we'll be talking today with Beth Consetta Rubel, uh, Lauren Foster, uh, Alberto Altamirano, uh, and Michael Henderson about how, um, as emerging social entrepreneurs, designers, artists, creatives, um, how their work helps us to sort of expand our notions of innovation, again, in this sort of rapidly changing economy. Before we dive into our chat, uh, we'd like to go over just a couple of quick details for you. Uh, to those watching live right now, we welcome your comments and questions through either the Twitter hashtag, ConnectedLearning, or the Q&A feature that you should see within, the, within this video player. We'll do our best to address your questions here in the Google Hangout as they come into us, so certainly feel uh, free to submit those uh, as you're inspired to do so. Uh, this webinar is also being co-streamed at the National Writing Projects, educatorinnovator.org. Uh, so before we begin, um, I'd like to give everyone uh, sort of assembled here today a chance just to quickly introduce yourself, maybe your name, uh, real briefly, uh, what organization you represent uh, as a way to uh, get us started. Uh, and I guess we can uh, begin with, um, with Michael and then go Lauren, Beth, and then Alberto. Awesome. Thanks, Craig. How are you guys doing? My name is Michael Henderson. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Doing Development. We help connect and empower both locally and internationally with innovation technology. We're primarily focused on creating culture-sensitive training curriculum. And we have both a domestic portfolio as well as international portfolio. Uh, locally, we teach computer literacy and robotics. And internationally, we create uh, financial literacy programs and pipeline palette from great cities like Austin and San Francisco to solve real world issues on the ground uh, throughout the African continent. Thank you. So my name is Lauren Foster and um, I have a company called Stretch Recipes here in Austin and um, we pretty much are on a mission to empower everyone to eat better and save more. We started the company to solve the problem of budget and nutrition, like this idea of you living on a fixed income or a tight budget and having to like still meet nutrition needs. Um, 
and so we do anything that involves that, um, anything that involves like um, the behavior change or like the shift um, that's required to get people eating healthier and um, also having access to the things that they need. Beth? Hi. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Beth Concetta Rubel, and I am a visual artist based in Austin, Texas. And my work reflects my identity as a queer POC individual. And I utilize imagery from historical texts and mainstream media in my work to combat issues of race, sex, gender, and colorism. Great. Alberta? Hi, my name is Alberto Altamirano. My friends call me Beto, and I co-founded it, and I'm the CEO of CityFlag, a mobile application that aims to connect citizens and local government while earning rewards and empowering local businesses. Our idea is to connect citizens to report issues such as potholes, graffiti, power outages, and vandalism, and then at the same time create a platform, a gamification platform, where they can interact, vote up and down on issues, making it more relevant for city officials to address. On top of that, we're introducing a social media principle so they can also uh, create movements uh, to gather information and to address issues in the city. Great. Uh, thank you each for that. And um, let's, um, let's get started and, and have some fun here. Uh, so we, we generally know, right, and, and each of you are sort of testimony to this, um, that the path to, let's say, a, a creative career or just a career pathway in general uh, can, can move along many different di directions, many different trajectories. Can each of you just say a little bit about um, sort of your own personal trajectory in terms of what guided you towards the sort of creative, social, entrepreneurial kind of impact work that you're engaged in today? Uh, and feel free, um, Alberto, we'll go with you. Um, what um, what do you think sort of helped inspire you to move in the direction that you've taken in terms of the, the development uh, of City Flag? I think you're on mute. There you go. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, so I think that's a great question because you know talking about the new economy is how do we adapt to new trends, right? And so my inspiration was that we are living in a society where technology is, is rapidly evolving, right? And so how do we how do we take those tools and use them use them on our daily lives to have an impact in our daily in our in our communities, neighborhoods, and cities? So that was the inspiration, and I believe that you know as technology evolves, we're going to see a lot of civic tech come along. So we're just you know. Uh, the, the starting point. I mean, a lot of other applications and a lot of folks out there are, are interested in this tech movement. So my inspiration was that, is how do we use technology to help our communities? I'm sorry. Uh, I think we'll all commit this in at least at, least at, uh, at once today. Um, <laughs> Beth, and that, that was my one time, so I, I get no other ones. Um, Beth, how about you? What, um, what kind of guided you towards the, the, the creative career path that you're on today? Um, well, the, the path that I'm on to today is I, I've learned that I've had to come up with innovative ways to connect with my audience. Being a queer person of color in Austin, the spaces aren't necessarily available 
anymore, and so I definitely have to turn to technology to reach out to find like-minded audience, uh, audiences, um, my commissions. Those are all things that sustain my career and allow me to keep doing what I'm doing. Lauren, how about you? What, what sort of helps explain the, the sort of creative trajectory uh, that you're on? Well, I started um, my company just because I grew up personally um, not knowing how to grocery shop. Um, I grew up in a food desert on the south side of Chicago with my grandmother who was diabetic, had heart disease and cancer. And so she was often too tired to cook. And so I went to like the same triangle of fast food like every day for about seven years. And when I got out on my own, I didn't know how to grocery shop. And I didn't think it was a problem until like my youngest brother came to live with me and he blew his entire budget in one trip to the grocery store on like Cheetos, chips and like ground beef. And I'm, I was looking at him like, what are you doing? And he looked at me and he said, I don't know. And it made sense because I get it. I didn't know either. And um, as I kept going and I kept reading like all these articles about um, just food and like what it does like um, on a whole for a lot of people. And as I talked to a lot of my friends who grew up where their parents, you know, just were like, oh, OK, we're going to just go grab some quick food from KFC or whatever. Um, I think it just became clear that like it was a knowledge gap there. Um, and then um, food is culture, food is history. so being able to make sure that people were connected to that um, and then people who are on extremely tight budgets um, are able to like make it work so that they're not compromising their um, long-term health because of an immediate cost and so um, that's what really lit the fire under my butt um, and then also to um, being in business and knowing that um, business has a really strong um, ability to correct a lot of these problems just by um, the way that they're set up so yeah just <laughs> just being there living there and then wanting people to be better so and have that so, so in some ways your 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 creation of stretch was 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 inspired in part out of a your own kind of personal history and, and sort of recognizing that your personal history spoke to a larger kind of social history in terms of people's exposure to or lack of exposure uh, to uh, knowledge about, about food, health, community, geography, and these kinds of things uh, that we are increasingly becoming more and more aware of, but certainly we need greater awareness throughout the society and, and the world, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. Michael, what sort of uh, kickstarted your kind of path? And I know you're you're moving in, in, in many different spaces in terms of design, technology, mobile, international issues. Um, is was there some particular moment or experience or encounter that really kind of directed you uh, in pursuit of this ambition that you're on? I've committed the same as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm a native Boston guy. Um, so I was born and raised here and surrounded by artists and creatives. Um, but they're the husband and wife couple, uh, Johnny and Clem Clark. Um, they created an organization called the Urban Leadership Foundation. It took uh, folks and families to underserved communities and exposed them to not only the tech, uh, the tech world, but we culminated the trip um, in South Africa. So not only did my passion start um, for technology, but it also started of looking and connecting to, to the African continent. 
And a lot of what I do is focus on the digital divide. How do we um, bridge the gap between communities that understand how business works and have computers and access to technology um, to be a part of that conversation? I always say that, in the words of Charles Dickens, Austin, Texas, like many major cities, is the tale of two cities. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. And specifically in Austin, what I'm trying to come back by teaching computer literacy, um, it's been relegated uh, for so long between East and West. But I think that's where real creativity uh, happens is when you have folks from diverse communities all coalescing and coming together in one specific area. Um, and we were afforded this opportunity, at least I was, um, before the age of 18 by Oh, um, Great. So one of the things, as I listen to each of your respective stories, um, it's it's clear, right, that that at some point uh, there was an inspiration, there was a moment, there was a recognition, right, that a that a problem existed or that an opportunity existed, um, and you um, you know decided that you, you wanted to try to make a difference, you wanted to try to make an impact through your social uh, activities, through your civic activities, through your entrepreneurial activities. But we all know, right, it's, it's one thing to have a vision or to have a desire for the world to look one way and an entirely different thing, right, to be able to access the resources and the connections and the partnerships to really make that preferred world a reality. And so I'm wondering, can each of you talk a little bit about, you know, what kinds of resources have you sought out, uh, what kinds of, um, you know, relationships, uh, connections, have been crucial to you in terms of going from idea or concept to, act, to actually trying to implement, put something into action, making a difference through the kind of vision uh, that, you, uh, that you just sort of articulated. Um, so, so how do you get from, from, from doing kind of the vision work to actually implementing, creating, launching, catalyzing something that actually exists in the world? What kinds of resources are important to help you sort of pursue your own kind of uh, social and entrepreneurial ambitions? Um, well, I'll start. <laughs> um, there's there, there's three things that anyone needs to get started on something. Um, one is the desire and the will to do it. Two is the time, and three is the resources. Um, so for me, um, I, I like quit my job because I know I was going to need the time to focus. Um, I was really passionate about it, and so I wanted the I had the desire to go out and do it. Um, and so the hardest part is the resources. Um, you know, I've had some wonderful meetings with like some great entities. I've had a numerous um, success like with pitch competitions. So um, I mean, I've met with like multi-billion-dollar companies, and like I think still it's 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 a very steep climb to actually get there um, because you have to rally everyone else in between that's 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 affected by it. Um, one of my mentors like actually said, you know, you pretty much have to own the value network and you know, when you're building a business, that's not just all the business relationships, that's the people too, especially when it's a social impact issue because the people have to be involved, they have to be on board, they have to be um, cognizant that it, it matters um, for them to participate and if they believe in what you're doing and they believe that um, and to me, some people don't even believe anymore because um, it's it's been it's been hard and it and it does become hard. 
but um, anyone with passion, whenever they're around people, they're able to remind them that when you do believe, you can do amazing things. And so for me, um, the resource part has always been like the trickiest. Um, my past job was like in real estate, so like shifting from that to like a new industry and having to learn about that and build networks. Um, but I, th I think when you make the time and you have the passion, um, you can. There's 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 no excuse in between. So. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I, I think you know it's definitely a, an organic evolution as you move forward with your idea, you're going to find, uh, you know, some struggles along the way, but there's always a time to overcome those struggles as, as you start connecting with other entrepreneurs and other competitions, uh, you start finding out that there's a lot of resources out there. Uh, as an entrepreneur, you're always, you know, trying to find out how are you going to, you know, make it to the next month, how are you going to finance your project throughout the year, and that's, that's a difficult question, especially in tech because everything moves so fast, right? So for me, um, after winning the, the, the Voto Latino Innovator Challenge, um, I found myself in a really solid you know, place where I had a lot of momentum. But before getting there, I think it was just trying to connect with people that had similar ideas to what I was trying to introduce. And I had mentoring, I had friends, who were willing to help me along the way. So it's reaching out to people, not being scared of, of you know, presenting your idea in front of others. A lot of people are, you know, sometimes, you know, limited to tell their stories or their personal narratives. I think that is powerful. When you combine an idea that you have with a personal narrative, you sell your idea. You really, you, you don't, you not only sell the what, you know, the product, but you sell the why, why you're doing it. So that's important too. So. My, my advice is to reach out to people, to connect, to talk, and to educate others on what you're trying to accomplish with your project or idea. Yes, I agree with both of what you said. Um, I think for me, my biggest challenge is also the resources. And for example, um, besides just branching out via the interweb, I have to go on foot and drop my portfolio off in cities that are specifically have communities that are supportive of, supportive of black artwork, POC, women of color doing artwork. So just last week I took a trip to Atlanta, dropped my portfolio off there, and uh, visited spaces, legit spaces that have the funding, the support, their whole mission is to um, sponsor black creatives. And that's something that for me, having spent most of my life in Austin and having seen those places that did exist maybe five, ten years ago, closed down. I definitely have to, you know, find those like-minded people, uh, tar specifically target them out, my audience, and also brand myself. Like I've learned about branding a lot within the last year, um, so that would be my answer. Yeah, definitely. Um, to add to the other panelists have said, learn by doing, right? You have the idea. A lot of times, people like stop the idea. They they take themselves out. Like-minded individuals, it's, it's great to have folks around you um, think the same way as you do. Almost like they say, birds of a feather flock together, and then actually take the first step, right? And the first step could be having a, you know, as simple as having a meeting or a meeting with government officials, right? There are a lot of folks, at least in entrepreneurship, that are willing to take the time to help you, right? But they want to see you take that first step to actually get started. Like, what has this person done so far? Are they committed to that? Um, and oftentimes, as people say, like, 
90% of success is just showing up, right? Yeah, what are the things that, um, as I'm listening to each of you sort of talk about your own kind of uh, personal journey towards the, the kind of career and creative pathway that you've charted for yourself, um, and, and we can be honest here, right? We're, we're, we're amongst friends, and, and you know, those watching can certainly identify with this well. I mean, the work that you've elected to do is, is risky, right? I mean, trying to strike out on your own, trying to create something, trying to build something, it requires, as you said, right? I mean, Lauren mentioned three things. It requires, you know, incredible desire. Uh, it requires, uh, you know, the time, energy, and effort to build something from the ground up. And of course, it takes resources, social resources, economic resources, physical resources, and and none of that is easy, right? And and so I'm wondering, can can each of you speak a little bit uh, to the to the struggle, right? And 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 how you have have dealt with some of the risks associated with um, you know pursuing your creative ambitions, uh, and what that means for you both um, I, I guess both on a kind of personal and also professional level. Uh, how are you grappling with the challenges that come? We're trying to build and create something that you think the world could benefit from. I guess I'll start. If that's okay. 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 So I'm I'm really cognizant in, in the past thinking about sustainability, right? So entrepreneurs, just creatives, the ones with the vision, or at least you've committed next month or year, whatever to whatever idea you have, you can go almost forever on very little resources, encouragement, a pat on the back, a high five. But the point is, can your team do the same, right? And oftentimes, as creatives and entrepreneurs, it takes more than one person. The vision is bigger than, than one person. So uh, a lot of what I struggled with in the past is having a proper um, sustainability model, right? Um, and that is something that... How do we have business structure in place and potentially have the pipeline of funds to come in to inspire and also create a lifestyle for the team to be a part of the project? Lauren, how about you? What are how what are what are some of the risks that you've had to uh, sort of grapple with as you try to build stretch into a viable and sustainable uh, enterprise? Um, I've risked everything. Um, it's hard. Um, I don't regret it. Um, yeah, it's it's like um, for me, I took the jump knowing that it was going to be extremely hard and nothing was going to be guaranteed. But I knew in my heart that if I didn't, like I would have regretted it. And um, I think people assume a lot about people who are, you know, very. Um, positive and um, ex excited and have all this passion or whatever but they don't really know like what what you do the the depths that you will go um, within moral reason um, and I think it's just been very interesting to go from having the ability to do whatever it is that I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do um, but then being being now at a point where it's like I have to think about every single dollar, I have to think about all the time that I spend um, and that I can't be personally as generous as I would like. So um, yeah, it's 
it's tough, and you you go from being on top to all the way down to the bottom, and you know, thinking like, how am I going to keep a roof on my head? Um, and and it and that's not the painful part. The painful part is like you just sit there and you think, do people know like how awesome this could be and how how important it is to um, plant the seeds for the future because if they if they don't have the fruit or they don't have the knowledge to to continue to plant like that's the end of our civilization and so it's it, it gets hard and, and you take yourself very seriously and then you have like amazing friends that'll be there and they'll make sure you don't <laughs> and so it's 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 a struggle and it's it's lonely um and it's it's scary but when when you look at your life and you say how do i want to live it there's certain things that you're willing to to sacrifice without a second thought so yeah thank you i i, I agree i completely agree and and i think something that is really important is that if, if you don't believe in yourself, like others are not going to believe in your vision. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard because you just, sometimes you just want to give up because it takes so much effort and so much willingness to keep moving forward with an, with an idea, right? And sometimes that idea doesn't have, you know, the funding or that idea is, you, you might think that it's not power, but powerful, but it is powerful. And I agree with what was previously mentioned. It's, it's not giving up. And, and yes, yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's going to be lonely. And sometimes you're going to be questioning if you're doing the right thing and, or should you go back to the workforce and just get a normal job, right? But in reality, when, when you're a pioneer in, in whatever your vision is and you're an entrepreneur, you have to really believe in yourself because that's the only way you're going to start moving forward with your career as an entrepreneur. And there's going to be a lot of setbacks. I think there's more setbacks and more failures than success being an entrepreneur. And, and sometimes people glamorize the idea of being an entrepreneur. But in reality, it's, it's dealing with failure and moving forward uh, knowing that there's, there will be success. That if you, if you fight hard enough and if you believe in what you're doing, others will start believing in what you're doing and you will achieve success. Yes, I completely agree, and I especially relate to Lauren, where last year I quit my day job and pursued my creative career and just kind of like had the support of my partner and my savings, and it's definitely been a struggle, but the passion has never changed. I'm all about following my bliss, but it can be discouraging at times when I'll have commissions and I'll be doing good financially for like three months. I'm like, oh yeah, if only I could sustain this for a year, that'd be great. And then, you know, maybe the commissions won't come in for like two months and I'm broke and I'm like scraping pennies and, you know, selling my clothing to get gas, stuff like that. But, you know, it's like real, it's like a roller coaster ride. And I'm like, the longer that I do it, the more wise I get about managing my money and signing contracts, especially. I have gotten real good at mastering the contracts because you get screwed over enough times and then you get it right. But, yeah, that's my challenge personally. I, I know, um, I think, Alberto, you had mentioned uh, the uh, Innovators Challenge that you were a part of and I know that was 
a, um, an initiative, a joint initiative uh, with I think the MacArthur Foundation, Voto Latino, and then I think you guys also partnered with Google a bit on that as well. Can you maybe give us a little bit of insight in terms of after that experience, um, or what was it about that experience that helped you to kind of sharpen your vision, um, really um, get a better sense of how you step into the kind of entrepreneurial space, entrepreneurial world? Did you meet people, hear things, uh, were there activities that you were involved in that really helped you cultivate um, what you think are some important kind of perspectives as you approach uh, the, the, the kind of work that you're doing with City Flags? Definitely. That, that, that's a great question. I, I think that, you know, leading up to the Voto Latino Innovator Challenge, I, I, we had an idea, right? But as we started maturing with the idea, we started, you know, putting the pieces together. I think this type of, of initiatives like the Voto Latino Innovator Challenge and, and other, you know, national competitions for startups and startup development are great. Are a great way to, to understand your product or your idea or your business and to really take critique from outside uh, you know, influences and really adapt to the new trends and tendencies that you see that you might need to uh, overcome because you, you're, you, for example, my application had a lot of you know, setbacks before you know, the Voto Latino Innovative Challenge, but afterwards I learned from so many people you know, listening to their stories and how some of their opinions relate to my application. So I think uh, you know, those type of competitions really built a lot of stamina for, for your startup. And once, let's say, for example, if, if you get to win uh, some type of competition, besides the funding, I think is the connections that matter a lot. Because once you get start getting more involved out there, uh, you start hitting the national stage, and you start getting connections in California, New York, uh, San, I mean, San Francisco, for example. I, I spent a lot of time in, in San Jose with Google, with the Google Bootcamp, uh, sponsored by Voto Latino and MacArthur Foundation. And these are the type of, of initiatives that really encourage us, you know, as a young innovator, uh, sometimes we need that encouragement, right? And when you have so much support, you just don't, you don't see why your application, for example, in my case, will fail. And, and yes, I, I mean, if it wasn't for this competition, I think uh, I, I wouldn't have developed my application so fast. I think it would have taken longer. So, I, so anyone out there that is, is trying to apply to any type of competition, startup development, or three-day startup uh, weekend, you should do it. You should definitely do it because you're gonna hear you're gonna hear from others. You're gonna criticize your your, your application or your product in a good way, and you're gonna take a, a, a good position where you can adapt to to the new trends that you need to do in order to move forward. So yes, you should do it. Go for it, definitely. So Lauren, I know that you've um, as stretch has evolved as as you have evolved and your vision has evolved. You've participated in a variety of different uh, competitions. Uh, you've been involved with different uh, kinds of incubators slash ex accelerators, uh, those kinds of spaces, right, that are designed in some ways to really help uh, people sort of level their, their ideas up and make the proper kinds of connections, uh, get mentoring, that really hopefully um, kind of accelerate the advancement of their idea. Um, and it's a world, quite frankly, if we're honest, right, that, uh, you know, here in Austin and certainly uh, across other kinds of innovation hubs around the U.S. and the world aren't always uh, the most diverse places and communities. And, uh, and I wonder, you know, being a, a young woman, a young African-American woman, you know, stepping into an arena uh, where there are probably not a, a lot of people like you, you find, um, you know, what, 
how has that, how have you sort of, you know, had to sort of meet uh, some of those challenges and, and what has it meant in terms of your own kind of development, um, you know, the work that you're doing with Stretch, uh, and is there, are there any takeaways that you might be able to share with others who, who may find themselves in similar circumstances in terms of how do they begin to grapple with the nuances of being in spaces where networks and communities aren't as diverse uh, and as inclusive as we would like for them to be? Um, well, from my personal experience, I don't fit in in a lot of places at all. And I mean, that's just one from like the the way that like I, I love and I believe in business, but then I also have like a big heart. And you know, people say you can't combine the two, but I, I feel like when you when you take care of people, the money always falls in line. And so um, I just have a different mentality than most people in those spaces. And um, you know, there's some good people in the spaces. There's some some people that um, I'll put it this way. Um, I'm a black woman. I've been a black woman all my life, and I have no problems with it. Any problem that ever surfaces is someone else's. So the only thing that has ever made my life hard is just if I come across someone who doesn't or like hesitates to get to know me as a person and that happens no matter where you are in life and not just in incubator spaces um, and so a lot of times diversity is a problem just because people don't have open minds and they've never been around people of different cultures and backgrounds and um, histories and um, they're not open to that and it doesn't it, it's it's hard um, in any of those spaces because a lot of times they'll find a formula for something that worked um, and then they just want to stick to it and they want to repeat success and that's their business model um, and that's that's what they they thrive off of and they don't always think about the fact that um, you know when they did strike gold at that one point it probably was something new and innovative um, and so I think um, I think it has places and you know for the for certain products and then I think for others and you just have to know what you're walking into you're walking into a room where there's a bunch of really motivated smart people that want to make money and not always um, think in the sense of if I'm serving the, the community and the community is using my product and that's where the money is going to come in and actually sustain itself over time and I don't have to worry about faking numbers to get to an early exit. So that's just my philosophy, that's how I think and um, you know it's been it's been hard and I have thicker skin than most when it comes to stuff like that just because um, I've seen I've seen both sides of it. Um, so um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Thank you. I, I, I know it's not an easy question to grapple with um, necessarily particularly in a venue like this so thank you and I asked the question primarily right because I think we're all generally familiar with uh, a lot of the statistics about um, you know the inequities uh, in, in in the business world and the tech world and the education world mm -hmm. and and each of you right in terms of the, the respective sort of sectors and kind of creative paths that, that you circulate in um, you know I think issues of diversity issues of, of equity uh, and inclusion uh, are, are, are central, right? Whether or not they, they are oftentimes explicitly recognized or acknowledged, 
uh, they very much are a part of the landscape. And so it's just interesting to sort of think about how how you navigate those issues and, 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 and how we might be able to take lessons from that in terms of how do we build more equitable uh, kinds of opportunities. Yeah, and I, I definitely also want to say, um, because I do have a lot of friends who, um, it, it, it's a problem. If it's a problem for someone, it's a problem. Um, so I'd like to tack on and say that diversity, um, while in my opinion is just due to the lack of diversity is due to closed minds, um, it can also be about um, you know what we as a society do to people to put them in a mindset um, to assume make certain assumptions about a group of people, and so um, it's it's very apparent and it's it's conscious, it's subliminal, it's something that is ingrained in our culture, and so. When you're, I guess, if I were giving advice to an uh, African-American woman who was thinking about, like, hey, you know, I'm a programmer or, like, I'm a, you know, and I'm ready to get in there and I'm ready to go into a accelerator or incubator, um, the only advice that I would ever give her is to remember that not everyone knows you and what you've been through and you have to approach it with with the 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 frame of mind that you're there um, to to do your work, and and once people get to know you, they're gonna love you. Um, but don't walk in with the the chip on your shoulder saying that they're automatically gonna do this. And what advice I would give to a, a white young man is to not you know walk up and pound a girl when you see her and you know go try to give her the bro man handshake and um, all and make assumptions that like you know she spends her night watching scandal and Empire or something like that um, and there's nothing wrong with those things but why don't you get to know me first um, but yeah I mean it's it, it's it's something that's a culture problem um, from my from my, my viewpoint. Um, but I know that if you kind of grow up in a situation where you're always looked differently at and then you go into a room where all these people have been taught to look at you a certain way, it is is extremely hard um, to to break that down. So, okay. <laughs> so, so I know, um, I mean, for, for in different ways, technology is, is sort of important and influential for, for each of you. And maybe starting with Beth, um, I'd like to hear each of you talk a little bit about, maybe give us an example of either um, the way in which technology has sort of transformed um, the way you approach uh, and try to execute your idea, um, the way in which technology maybe has influenced the way that you network, how you actually work, uh, your processes, meetings, connectivity, things of that nature. Or, or any other way that you think technology has a, has had an impact on, on the work that you do, and, and maybe Beth, you could start us off by giving us a sense of the role that technology plays uh, in the life of a of a rising artist, visual artist. Yes, definitely. Um, technology technology has helped me significantly, especially with using my iPad, for example. I use my iPad for all of my photo references when I'm creating my work. And so that allows me to save paper, whereas before I would always print out all of these pages for, of photo references. I'd have to like zoom in and do another print. Um, the iPad allows me to easily zoom up close, capture those details. I can travel and do artwork faster that way. It's more efficient in that sense. And then 
as far as uh, social networking goes, it's really allowed me to sustain my creative career by getting commissions from um, individuals in different states that I would never have met otherwise um, unless they had, hadn't found me on Twitter or Instagram. So. I know, Beth, when we met with you, uh, when one of our researchers uh, was interviewing you for the, the Doing Innovation Project, you gave a great story about, um, I think it was maybe an actress, speaking of Scandal, Lauren, I think oh. it was, was it an actress from Scandal who maybe tweeted a, a piece of your work or something and then you wake up the next day and your Twitter is like blowing up. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, that was insane because I still don't really understand how to use Twitter. <laughs> and so my my phone was just like blowing up one night in the middle of the night and I had realized that uh, an actress on Scandal, Jessica Nicole, had retweeted my work because she's also a queer POC actress who's really into activism and, um, you know, calling out issues about police brutality. And so she retweeted my work and then all of a sudden I had like, 1500 plus likes and all of these followers and I was just like I don't even understand how to use this, <laughs> use this uh, networking tool yet but I'm slowly getting to understand what a hashtag is so <laughs> and it also kind of expanded your your your, your the audience for your work too right if, if, I, if I recall correctly definitely just from her retweeting that and it getting out to her followers and her audiences I was able to get a commission from a gentleman in New York City, and I and I got a commission from someone in California, and it was they never would have found my work unless she shared it with them. Michael, I know in terms of the work that you that you're doing, and, and you know if it's work with young African entrepreneurs, work in the education space, you know app development. Um, Technology is a sort of integral part of, of your vision and what you do. Can you maybe give us an example or two of, of, of the sort of creative or inventive ways in which you're adopting and sort of putting technology to use to sort of bring your vision to reality? Yeah, um, I think technology is a tool, right? How well does one understand that tool? How can we teach those mechanisms to other folks? And so, um, even on like a manager's perspective, about the world, but more specifically, recently I was uh, in Kenya, and you know, if you think about technology and the tools, a lot of the headmasters in a lot of the schools did not have their own personal computer. So in a situation, how do we approach disseminating large amounts of information when the traditional method that we take for granted requests? out of the conversation. And so we kind of re re revisited mobile phone technology, right? Um, and something as simple as a tool, you know, smartphone or a dumb phone, we're able to at least empower a lot of the leaders for education to be able to disseminate information to the um, So more of a manager, it's, to me it's about building relationships. Like, how can this, how can this technology, this tool, empower you to get your point across to a larger amount. That to me is something that I found. And as I think about the work that you're doing, Michael, it also seems like um, I'm, I'm recalling, for example, the, the hackathon that you did um, months back and, um, and, and the way in which network technology allowed for you to bring different kinds of knowledge and expertise into the room that weren't there physically. 
So, you know, African uh, entrepreneurs, African activists from the continent, uh, really being a part of the conversation and a part of the process as you and your team were really, um, you know, engaged in a hackathon to try to accelerate the development of ideas uh, and mobile technologies that, that could be of use to, uh, to very specific communities on the continent. And I thought that was a really interesting way of sort of leveraging technology, right, to expand networks, to collaborate across, uh, across the world, literally. Uh, and so those are the kinds of things that I think uh, technology enables, um, you know, young creators, innovators uh, like uh, like you to do. Uh, and I think it's really a, sort of a vibrant uh, and illustrative way of just how the, the creative and inventive adoption of technology leads to new kinds of visions and new kinds of opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I mean, literally getting those folks in the room, right? How do you inspire? folks in tech funding back in developers in Austin, Texas, to build applications for communities in places they've never seen before, right? Um, so it was really like, I'm grateful to be in a position to create an environment that is conducive for that type of creativity and development, and change labs for communities. And like I said, you know, we're dealing with people who've never even maybe been to Canada or Mexico, have skills that can increase the quality of life um, for someone living in, in rural Kenya. I think we may have lost Craig. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, I, I guess I, I'll talk a little bit I'll about it. Can you hear me? Yes. Let's see. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, how technology helped me. Uh, I think as as we are, you know, moving into the 21st century, technology is going to play an important part in our lives, you know, and for me, it was uh, the idea of how, how can we engage, you know, citizens with technology to connect with the, with the local government, so that, that was, that was my perspective, right, um, and, but something that we need to address is how do we create, you know, inclusive and effective city, civic, civic engagement, that was our whole idea, using technology. Now, we, we should also take into consideration that not everyone has access to the internet, and that's a big issue. That's the digital divide, which is affecting, you know, a big a big portion of Americans, and not only in the U.S. but also in the U.S. So in the in the world. So how do we address that issue as well? If we if we need if we want to embrace technology, we should also address the the access to the internet and technology. And there's a correlation between those who are financially stable and and have access to the internet and those who are in the lower income bracket and who do not have access to the internet. Those who have access to the internet have access to health, education, finances, and so on. And those who don't will stay behind. So yes, technology plays an important part in our lives, but how can we make sure that it's distributed uh, equally, equally throughout the, the nation and the world? And that's an issue that we need to address. So we do have a, uh, we have a question that um, uh, that has come in from one of our um, um, audience members. Let me ask uh, the question, and then um, if you uh, if you want to, please uh, feel free to respond. Uh, the question is: Was there ever a time when technology has hindered your creative career or presented an obstacle to you? Uh, any thoughts about that? Um. You know, I'm, I'm from a, a different part of the millennial generation. You know, I used to play Super Mario Brothers and do like this with the remote thinking he would make them jump higher. So, like, <laughs> so 
the truth of the matter is like I've watched technology grow over like the past 17 years and it is amazing um, you know we didn't learn programming like when I was in high school when I was leaving like that summer of my senior year they gave us like a two-week um, a two-week class or whatever to talk about HTML and I and, and like coding for websites and I thought to myself there's no way people are gonna be inside all day on on the web are you kidding me um, and so like when you fast forward 17 and uh, 17 years later and everybody has mobile phones and they're on the mobile phones they're using the web it's it's amazing and so um, in terms of the hindering of um, my creativeness or um, just in terms of its capability like it's moved really fast but it's not where it actually needs to be um, to, to, to do all the things that I imagine but um, for my career you know you just kind of work with what, what you got so well one of the things that you know the the community that's oftentimes attracted to these webinars uh, the connected learning community you know, um, ongoing sort of regular, really robust conversations about the role of education and learning. And, and I recently made, made an argument in a piece that I just wrote for, um, for the DML Central blog, which is kind of affiliated with this work that the MacArthur Foundation has been supporting. Um, I recently wrote in the piece that, um, that, that schools are really not built to prepare young people for the kind of future that they're likely to inhabit when they when they make the transition to young adulthood, and I'm wondering as each of you think about your own transition to uh, to, to young adulthood, your own transition into your your career, um, in what ways do you think school um, prepared you for uh, the, the kind of creative, inspirational, social kind of entrepreneurial uh, work uh, that you're now involved in? Um, any any thoughts about School is there? Is there something that you wish you had learned back then that you uh, had to learn the hard way? Kind of, you know, the, the school of hard knocks. Um, just what are your thoughts about education uh, and the role that education should play in preparing young people for a world in which clearly, um, you know, the notion of work is changing and the need to be innovative uh, is becoming more and more of a sort of premium sort of skill or attribute. I guess I'll, I'll start with that. It's a passion of mine. Um, I grew up, you know, in Austin, Texas, in public school. We didn't learn much uh, computer programming, almost like lost, uh, Warren was saying earlier. So I definitely advocate for computer literacy as well as financial literacy. What are some basic tools that you need to understand how to start a business? Basic finance, accounting, online banking. Um, how do you write a simple program? Even if it's nothing more than how to build a web application with simple CSS or HTML, HTML5. Those things, because if you think about it, um, everyone says that everyone is not meant for college, right? And oftentimes entrepreneurs start their own businesses either by dropping out of college or directly after high school. But a lot of them understand on a very rudimentary level what it takes to be successful because they understand some of these tools. And talk a lot of my friends are programmers, they oftentimes say there's not much difference between being a programmer and being a plumber, right? It's a unique skill set. You may or may not have to graduate from high school. You have really focused a year of apprenticeship, and then when you finish, you get certified, and you can command a six-figure salary without having to spend a day in college. And so that, to me, is an answer to a lot of the systemic problems in our community and underserved communities of having these very uh, 
rudimentary financial literacy and computer literacy skills. It shouldn't be a single uh, kid that graduates from from even junior high school who doesn't understand how to write a very simple program. Mm. Other thoughts? I, I think, you know, uh, as we, I mean, the, the idea of education is powerful. I mean, I'm a strong advocate. My mother is an educator. And since I was a kid, you know, education has been, you know, a big, you know, topic in my household. However, I, I think that education needs to adapt to the new trends. It needs to be more creative. I think we need to build, you know, instead of building corporate robots, we need to create, you know, creative people that are can make things happen, can can be uh, entrepreneurs, can really be disruptors in the economic uh, sector and and help. So how, how do you how do you change that, right? And we we need to start that by by really addressing, you know, the public education sector because the the vast majority of students, especially the students that are minorities, go to these institutions. And we need to prepare them for the future, you know, for tomorrow. And if we're just preparing them to take a test at the end of the school year, we're not doing our jobs. So yes, we need to address the, the how the public education is defined in the U.S. Yes, um, from my perspective, I got a BFA in fine arts, which was already kind of like a scary decision in itself. And for me, I learned that it wasn't really necessary. It does teach you the skills and the technical ability, but those are things that one could get by having a really great mentor and meeting other people. Um, so for me personally, I learned the most by through my internship and having an excellent mentor who showed me the business side of things. They really don't address the business side of the art world uh, whenever you graduate. So you're like, okay, I know how to do a painting, but what am I going to do with it? You can make an Etsy shop, but you know, what you if you want more with your career, I've had to find um, real-world experience and connecting with people that have already uh, done the steps needed in order to get to where I'm going and connecting with them and learning from them has been more valuable than my college education for art career. Let me... Um... So something that I'm particularly um, curious about, and and I think easy to be made either, if not a direct, maybe kind of a subtle or oblique reference to it. I mean, it seems to me right that we, we live in a in a world and 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 a time where you know we hear a lot about the kinds of skills that are required in today's world, but it also seems right that the, that it takes a certain kind of disposition, right, a, a way of being, a certain attitude, a sense of agency. Um, that's really important in terms of you know being able not only to, to 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 thrive but to sort of survive in a world that's just changing so quickly. And I'm wondering, right, as each of you kind of reflect on your own journey to date, is there one particular disposition um, that you think um, has been really important to you in, in terms of how you kind of navigated uh, the, the creative path that you've taken? Um, I'm just curious, right? What what attribute, uh, what skill, what disposition do you see as absolutely critical to being the type of person who might be able to exercise some degree of influence and control over the direction that their that their career and life might take? Well, I, I can start. Um, I think the the most valuable skill that I have is um, my tenacity. Um, and I think that I was equipped with it because I have like lived at the point where I was eating fast food every day or I've lived like 
where I just ate one meal a day and um, or like sometimes I went hungry and having that happen at a young age makes it now um, my ability my, my ability to absorb risk is much higher than most people's um, so it's 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 definitely prepared me for entrepreneurship Alberto how about you is there is there one sort of disposition, one, one trait or attribute that you find yourself um, really either relying on or needing to cultivate and develop to really sort of pursue uh, your ambition with, uh, with, with, with focus and, and integrity? I think everyone here, I mean, tremendous artists and leaders that I'm sharing the stage with uh, would agree that it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of, you know, skills it takes to be an entrepreneur or be a leader. But I think for me personally, uh, one that I that I feel that re has really helped me has been uh, listening, listening, be, being a good listener. I think that when you listen to people and you really understand their stories, their narratives, and where they're coming from, I think you you project something else. You project leadership, and then you can move forward to allow those conditions that are necessary for others to enable to achieve their their, their success. So yes, it's about listening, and it's about you know mobilizing resources to let others achieve their dreams as well, so collaboration is powerful. Michael, how about you? Hmm. I don't know if that's one uh, trait or attribute. Um, I, I would definitely say perseverance. Um, I would say talent spotting because be successful, you have to understand that you can't do it by yourself, and you have to not only never quit, and always be optimistic, but also surround yourself with people like when individuals that are doing great work, because they amplify and they carry on your brand and vision. Um, I can think about the people that I've worked with over the last year, um, and where they are now with their lives, and the folks that are with our team, um, they're doing some quite amazing things. So. Um, and, and each recurring theme I see in each individual that we've worked with is that not only in talent, that's, that's the bottom level, but never stopping, continuing to produce work, and surrounding themselves with great people. So I, I think as our net grows, um, we'll all grow together. So it's not one overall skill attribute, but and also empathy. To understand and care more about what's going on in your life than what's going on in my own life, oftentimes, right? How can I don't know? It's it's, it's something that I that I, I don't know. It's a uh, it's hard to articulate, but when I deal with communities, I have to at least try to understand what it's like to live in their lives to create a situation um, and tell their story to empower the people to want to benefit and give back um, to that community. So. Empathy, perseverance, and yeah. And Beth, how about you? You want any any final thoughts on that? Yes, I I really agree with what everyone has said, and to expand on that, I would say that uh, having resilience has been really important. Uh, the, having the ability to bounce back after setbacks, because whenever you're trying to navigate. Um, being an entrepreneur and doing things that you've never done before, anything can happen and um, just having that passion and that dedication and commitment to keep doing it 
despite the odds. And then also um, to expand on what um, was said, I think that empathy is really important, especially for me as an artist, um, to not just like look at my own perspective, but to connect with other people and hear their side of their stories, um, specifically with their issues of racism and colorism, which is found in my work, and to get their insight on it because you know everyone is different and we all have um, very different backgrounds. And I, I've learned so much within the last year just hearing other people's perspectives, and it's really influenced my art. Great. Well, um, I, I think our time is uh, sort of winding down here, and um, obviously a, a lot more uh, you know, could, could be discussed here, but, um, but we will wrap it up. Um, thank you, uh, each of you, for uh, taking time out of, uh, out of a busy schedule to, uh, to join us. Uh, if I know nothing else about your, your, your lives and the creative paths that, that you're on, I know that you're just incredibly busy and, and, and multitasking nonstop. So we really do sincerely appreciate you uh, participating in the opening webinar for this series. Um, this does wrap up the first webinar of the October 2015 series on doing innovation. Uh, but please feel free to keep the energy going on Twitter using the hashtag, uh, hashtag connected learning. There will also be a full video recording of this webinar available immediately uh, on www.connectedlearning.tv with other curated content on the way. Uh, if you found this conversation helpful, please share it in your networks. Uh, and if you'd like to know more about upcoming webinars from Connected Learning TV in 2015, please visit www.connectedlearning.tv and sign up for the email uh, newsletter. Uh, thanks again, uh, each of you. Thanks uh, for the audience. Uh, also, thank you, uh, Leanna and others, for helping to kind of coordinate this. Uh, we'll see you next Thursday at the same time for our next webinar. Uh, on rethinking uh, the innovation economy. Have a good day.